I'm Anna Barnard. And I'm Maria Ramsey, and you're listening to Never Wear Boring Socks. Welcome back to Never Wear Boring Socks, and thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, today's episode is very exciting because um, a couple weeks ago we were joined by a special guest, Katie Dalebout, and Katie is the host of the podcast Let It Out, and she's also the author of the book Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. She's also a speaker, mentor, eating disorder, recovery advocate, and an enthusiast of many other things as well. I was super excited to have Katie on the podcast because her work has been really meaningful and helpful to me. I'm a big fan of both her podcast and her book, and she was a major source of inspiration in starting this podcast. And Anna and I had a really great time talking to Katie a few weeks ago when we recorded this interview, and we didn't even get to many of the questions that we wanted to ask her and the topics that we wanted to get to. So we highly recommend checking out her podcast if you want to hear more from Katie on journaling, wellness, body image, creativity, feminism, spirituality, and so many other things she likes to talk about. Alrighty, and now without further ado, here is our interview with Katie. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. This is so exciting. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited to come on your podcast since you told me that you had a podcast. So thank well, you for having me. Well, I've been me. excited to have you on the podcast since we started a podcast. Oh, so good. it's mutual. Yeah, it's Yay. very exciting. Oh my gosh, and it's so nice to meet you, Anna. Yeah. This is going to be super no, fun. No, this is really exciting. I'm, I love talking to new people, so this is really fun. Good. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> Yay. So why don't we start with some socks? Anna, okay. would you like to tell us what socks you're wearing today? Yes, I would love to tell you what socks I'm wearing. I am wearing a pair of socks that are they're like light blue. They've got some kind of corally colors. Um, and there's a little girl and she's whispering to a bird on them. And on the socks, they say, you're beautiful, don't change, which I really like. Wow. It's a nice sentiment. So, yeah, those are the socks wow. I'm wearing. Those are some fancy Yeah, cool they're socks. kind of elaborate. Yeah, they I'm are. a fan. They're very elaborate. Mm-hmm. What socks are you wearing today, Maria? I'm wearing my Christmas socks today. Ah, they're nice. red, and they have little stockings and Christmas trees and snowflakes. And I picked these socks very intentionally because I always feel like I kind of miss out on the anticipation part of the holiday season and like feel like I didn't do enough before actual Christmas happens. So I very purposefully did a bunch of stuff this weekend to make myself feel more of the holiday spirit, like baking and watching a Christmas movie and wearing my Christmas socks. So I'm feeling a little more festive now. (laughs) What did you watch? I watched Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I haven't either. I haven't or seen I it either. It's really good. Okay. I did yeah, watch White Christmas this it. weekend, which is a classic. That's a good one, yeah. too. Look at you guys uh, being off the I know, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> exciting. It's very exciting. 
It is. And what socks are you wearing, Katie? Well, I'll tell you, but first, I want to know, do either of you guys ever get on this podcast and do this question, and are you just like, mine are white? Like, do you ever have just like, mine are gray? Like, or are you always wearing cool socks? There was one day where I forgot to wear socks completely. So, <laughs> okay. yes, it happens. But usually you guys, you guys have, it sounds like you have a collection of really cool socks. That is accurate. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because I'm going to, like, I'm literally, I got, first of all, I had to look down because I had no idea. And then secondly, I'm wearing, like, gray wool socks that are, like, pretty warm. Like, that's, that's it. I mean, I think part of that is just, like, walking around all day in New York City. Like, I have to wear warm socks. But also, today in particular, I did something sort of gross. But this isn't, like, this isn't unnatural to me. Like, this isn't something I don't do. I often sleep in socks that I wore that day. And then we'll just keep them on and wear them the next day. Like if I'm not showering, <laughs> I know that's gross and like they probably smell, but it is something that I do like somewhat frequently. I'm not proud of it, but that is what happened yesterday. Yeah. yeah. I was wearing my Christmas socks yesterday too. So I understand that. Okay. Okay. Great. I don't think it's that gross. Okay. Great. But you definitely need warm socks in New York in the winter. Yeah. So. And I'm finding I need like a... um law like a high sock too for any mm-hmm. pant slippage like that's been key i want to actually get an even warmer sock like a, i want to go to a sporting goods store and buy like a camping wool sock because my boyfriend was telling me that those are um they have some sort of like technology where you your foot doesn't even sweat and it still keeps it warm without like absorbent or i don't know i'm hmm. i'm wanting to upgrade my socks that sounds like a good idea yeah 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 <laughs> that's uh maybe santa will will bring me that yeah <laughs> exactly that would be good yeah sure would <laughs> that's a great so we- opening question thank you yeah i thought it was a fun way to start <laughs> it sure is very into it. And we actually wanted to talk to you about living in New York. Yes, good. Speaking I'm of so New excited. York. Especially as a Midwesterner, because yes. Anna is from Minnesota and lives in Minnesota. Yeah. And I'm on the East Coast, and like all my family is midwestern mm-hmm. so i feel like i have a little bit of midwesterner in me so i'm curious like what your experience of new york is like especially as a midwesterner yeah i think moving here is very different for people from the midwest than it is from the east coast you know moving here from philly or moving here from uh obviously New Jersey or even Vermont or Connecticut a lot. And I meet so many people who are from Connecticut or New Jersey or Philadelphia or, you know, over on this side of the country. And I at first didn't really characterize it as any different from me and my move here. But as I've been here a couple months, it's significantly different because in 
people moving from the West Coast, same thing. It's it's different and it's different yet from me. I think wherever you move from, it's, it's a bit different. But the people particularly from the East Coast who moved here have kind of the same touch points. They maybe grew up coming to the city more because it was easier to get here. And it's just, you know, there's different. I very I talk about this a lot on my podcast and I very much identify with the qualities, the stereotypical qualities of being a Midwesterner. And I'm really actually proud of a lot of them. And that is definitely something people notice a lot in New York. I don't have a lot of this, the, the knowingness that I think people from the East Coast who grew up coming here, like knew what uptown meant and what that meant about the people that live up there and knew what downtown meant and knew you know, what the different areas like of the Hamptons and where people go in the summers meant like that was all so foreign. I had to learn all of that. You know, I had to like, you know, you have your cultural touch points from being in the Midwest of movies and TV when you see New York. But of course, that's fictionalized, right? You know, I think the the truest form of New York that I've seen in media has been there's there's been a lot of really great things and I think girls and sex in the city in many ways have showed New York in a in a way that has been honest to that moment at least from my experience being here and I've been re-watching sex in the city and I want to re-watch girls eventually but it is very fun and cool to be like oh yeah that I saw that you know I walked by that earlier or I saw them talk about that or you can relate to it which is really fun but the truest representation of it that I've seen has been this episode of Master of None. Did you guys watch that show, the Aziz Ansari show? I've seen a few episodes. I haven't. I've heard yeah. of it. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. It's really good. And in season two, there's this episode called New York. I think, or it's, I think it's called I Love New York. Watch that one if you haven't yet, because you can kind of just go in and out. Mm-hmm. It's better to watch as a series because it, it is really good. But a lot of them are kind of vignettes and, and that one in particular you can definitely watch. But that's a really good representation of New York and how it is and the different types of people who lived here. And, and I, I, I really like that. But I think moving here from the Midwest has just been a complete and total personal growth experience. I moved here in June. It's now December, the day we're recording this. And I was actually thinking about it quite a bit today as I was walking around the city. And I, my phone got really cold so it just turned off. It was on like 60% or something and it just turned off. And if that had happened to me three months ago, I would have been so scared because I wouldn't have known what to do because my phone was my map and my phone was my lifeline and my phone was, you know, everything. But today I was like, oh yeah, it's cold, but I actually know where I am. And I was pretty far from where I live, but I was able, I mean, it's a grid, but I was able, I'm not, I'm terrible with direction and I'm, you know, not good at that sort of thing at all, but I couldn't call it Uber. I couldn't look at the subway map. I, I couldn't look at the directions. I couldn't call anyone, and I got myself home, and that, that felt like a really proud moment of like, oh, yeah, I, I got it. I, I live here now, and I'm, I'm doing it. I'm really doing it, and, and I, I think I have moments walking around the city all the time where I'll, I'll look up, and I'll see the Empire State Building, and I'll be in this neighborhood. I live in the East Village is where I really, really wanted to live almost my whole life because I was weirdly obsessed with the musical rent oh my god it's so good seven years old it's so amazing (laughs) so Uh, so amazing so i you know i feel like i've been like manifesting this since i was seven of like and i live like in rent territory you know like i live right by avenue a and you know it's just so cool (laughs) yeah it's come visit it's 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 really cool and magical and so i i have moments all the time 
it's where it feels surreal. And I think someone said this on my podcast, and Maria, maybe you remember this because I say it all the time, but when I had Josh Radner on, he said, I somehow was asking about New York, and he said, it's a town of extremes. Like your, your best days will be euphorically amazing, and your worst days will be like horribly, terribly bad. And there's really nothing in between. And I've found that to be the case, you know, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. Like the train either works really, really well or it's a mess, you know, or you like today I was just running simple errands, but it kind of worked out in this really magical way of, you know, I uh, it's boring to get into, but it just sometimes it feels really magical and you can just walk and do everything you need to do. Other times it's really hard to do simple things like, you know, laundry. And someone else told me about New York that people will pay a lot of money to make their problems go away here. So there's like a service for your laundry. There's a service to get your groceries delivered. There's a service to get anything you want delivered at any time. And I'll finally stop talking about this, but the last piece of New York wisdom that kind of has come my way recently was last night I was having dinner with a friend and she said that when she moved here in the early 2000s, her professor in fashion school was this older New York man who's lived here for a million years and he said to her not to her but to the entire class he was like you know New York can be whatever you want it to be you can be alone in your apartment and these little insular places at any moment or you can be out doing and stimulating yourself in a million different ways you have the power to choose that and I struggle I think the thing I struggle with most being here is the indecision because I'm someone who's not very good at choice and having a lot of options and living here I have a million options all the time you know I can work or I can rest I can go to this party or I can go to dinner with one friend I can stay in and watch Netflix alone I can and it's like that everywhere but I think here it's just there's so there's always someone visiting you know there's always someone in town that wants to hang out there's always a thing that I could be doing and it's and even just you know day to day like which coffee shop should I go to you know or like mm-hmm. what do I want to eat today? there's just so many options and I think you know our we only have the mental capability to to make so many decisions in a day so that's something that I think it has been really fun and also challenging at the same time yeah yeah Anna and I did a whole episode about making decisions oh really okay well you guys get it (laughs) we get it definitely (laughs) yeah yeah that's one of the tougher things in everyday life I think (laughs) yeah well I, I heard once that we go through decision exhaustion so people like Steve Jobs and did you guys talk about this maybe um people who know i would yeah i'm curious to well people who like have big jobs like that and lead companies they like will wear the same thing every day to cut down on their decisions Mm, oh sure so like steve jobs like wore a black turtleneck every single day and then that way he could use his decision making power for other things and our decision making power depletes throughout the day so in the morning we're more decisive but we, by the evening, we've made so many small decisions throughout the day from like, what are you going to wear? What are you going to have at breakfast? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who are you going to talk to? What words are you going to use? By the end of the day, 
you're just like, I don't even know what I want for dinner. Like someone tell me. So I've actually been thinking about that quite a bit and, and trying that a little bit in my life of cutting down on the decisions that I have to make throughout a day. I've like I'm very into a capsule wardrobe, which is just having very few items that go together. And I basically wear this. I have like two pairs of pants and I have like four shirts and three sweaters. And I just also that works with the space issue of New York. But <laughs> I just choose what I'm going to wear. And it's basically the same every day. And I put my leather jacket over it and like no one really knows. And it's it's fine. And it helps me to get out and get going in the morning. And I, I've been really liking that. And then and it's something I think I'm going to keep doing for the rest of my life, you know, and, if I get bored of it, I'll like get more things. It's but it's working right now. And then same thing with food. You know, there's certain I like to go out to eat and explore. And in New York, there's a million things. But, you know, for some of the things I eat when I'm home or like eating the same thing for breakfast every day, I do kind of do that just because I know how it's going to make me feel. I know I like it and it's easy and I don't have to think about it. So I think cutting down on the decisions where I can is helpful. But I still man. Like Friday night, you guys, I had the worst decision paralysis. Like I had the opportunity to go hang out with some of my good friends and I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I was like texting my boyfriend like, should I go? Should I not go? Pros and cons. I'm not sure. And then like I got home. I decided not to go and I like had a night by myself. And then during the night by myself, I was like, I should be there. Oh, my God. It was basically FOMO. And then the next Mm -hmm. day I was like, oh, my God, I should have gone. And then if I would have gone, I would have been like, oh, but I'm so cold. I wish I would have stayed home. I could have gotten work done. Blah, blah. It's like, yeah, you got to just find this, do a decision and then stick to it and commit. You know, you got to just commit. Right. Yeah. That's the that's the tough part about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, That situation sounds very familiar. Yeah. And I feel like I get really kind of obsessed sometimes with like trying to figure out the right decision for that moment but a lot of the time i think there's not a right exactly decision. Right. yeah there's not a right so I decision think you're right i think it i think in every i think i am te- i'm someone who tends to believe everything happens for a reason and we're all connected and i believe that the universe is something that we can communicate with and have a relationship with and we're guided and like i believe all of these magical thinking things And I think when you're a person who has that sort of a mindset, that's open to that sort of a mindset, you it makes decisions harder because you inherently think there's a right decision or if I don't do this, I'm going to miss this opportunity or I'm going to miss meeting the love of my life or I'm going to miss networking with this person or you you're constantly doing FOMA to yourself. And I think the reality of the situation is that there are many, many decisions that we could have made. and. I like you said, Maria, there's not ever a wrong one. It's just stressful. It's just added stress on ourselves if we don't commit and align with the, the decision that we're that we end up going with. You know, it just creates added unneeded stress in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I've had like very I don't know. I've definitely had new uh, realizations along the lines of decision making after like coming to college for the first time because you have so many like new decisions to make and a lot of it, like I really relate to the decision exhaustion thing because I have to make a lot of decisions just logistically every day that I didn't have to make at home because everything's in different places now. So it's like, what time am I going to leave to go eat? And what time am I going to leave to go to this building? And if I go here now, 
is that going to give me enough yeah. time for that? And when you're at home, you can just go downstairs and eat and then you can do your homework while you're sitting at the table and eating. And mm-hmm. and it's just like all these little things and they pile up. And and then along the lines of the FOMO thing, like if I go to this thing, am I going to meet this new person? But if I go to this thing, what if I don't meet them or if I just stay in? Yeah. And yeah, I relate. Yeah. <laughs> That's such an inter. You're in such an interesting spot right now, Anna, because, and I, I've talked about this before, and I think about this so much. Your freshman year of college is the first time you're, I mean, they say this to you a million times, I'm sure, of like, it's the first time you're responsible right. for yourself and blah, blah, blah. And that's true, but it's the first time that you're making choices about any, it's the first time you're really making choices. Like, to be honest, like, you were a child before, and now you're, it, it's a very, like, f- hard, fine line you, know, you don't feel like that when you're in high school you don't feel like you're a child but essentially it's like you're not the one buying the groceries oh, like right. you're not the yeah. one choosing when you're eating you're not the one in charge of your schedule you're like your schedule is completely dictated to you by your parents and your school like for the most part you know and then you get to college and it's like you're in charge of your schedule you're in charge of how much you eat or how little you eat or what you do like all these choices are yours you're in charge of how you spend your time and that is such that's so overwhelming it's overwhelming to me now and I've been doing it for you know more than 10 years but (laughs) yeah but but when it's new like it's just like learning a new skill it it takes time so you're in an interesting spot right yeah no no it definitely is a new skill like you said and I I've, I'm really glad that like I've had the opportunity to be able to make all these choices because I definitely like needed a change after high school and everything, but it's taken me the full semester to figure it out and I'm definitely not done figuring it out uh, with all the scheduling stuff. And so it's definitely a learning curve for sure. Yeah, I remember that time. I remember my freshman year of college feeling like at the same time, so liberated by it. Like, I remember, like, in between classes being like, I can just do whatever I want. Right, now. yeah. Like, I can go and, like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, I can change. I remember, this is so small and petty, but I remember, like, I would change my clothes in the middle after of the, the day. One, in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the day. And right. that felt weird because I was like, when you, in high school, it's like you wear something and you are in it for the yes, day. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And in college, I remember being like, I can wear three outfits today if I wanted. Like, I don't know why why I was doing that and not like doing my homework. But I was, apparently, my I just like, did that no, too. I it, actually, yeah. it was funny. Yeah, I, my roommate actually would. We had a very early morning class together, and she would just like wear her pajamas. And then we had a later in the day class, and she always looked amazing. She's a stylist now. She lives in New York, mm-hmm. me, uh, which makes sense, but. She would look like a different person. Like I didn't, I would never recognize her in class because she looked completely different from how she did in our morning class. That's yeah, funny. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. College is just like a completely differently constructed lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But exactly, it's got all the same decision making struggles. I would say, yeah, just in a different way. Yeah, I mean, it's a good skill to learn. Mm-hmm. Oh you yeah, know, you've got it. It's it's just like the unstructuredness is a good it's good it's healthy for us i think right for sure yeah yeah and i think it's good practice for after college because then it's like the same thing multiplied Mm -hmm. because then you're still in charge of your schedule but then you're 
if you're working, you're like sometimes in charge of other people's schedules. Yeah, too. for sure. Or, like now I'm teaching, I'm like responsible for all these other humans yeah. in addition to myself. Yeah. So I'm like managing their time also. So it's, it's good practice. Yeah. <laughs> well, Katie, you, since you've moved to New York, mm-hmm. I know you have a lot of friends in different places. So I'm curious, like what your experience of long distance friendships and relationships are like, and like if you have anything that yeah. has helped you make those relationships more successful. That's something that Anna and I are interested in since we're long yeah. distance cousin friends. <laughs> yes. Great question. I love your questions. And I'm so glad that, you know, it's not the same things I always talk about. This is so fun for me. <laughs> so thank you. Well, I think usually if it's a good friendship, it'll be a good friendship regardless of location. Meaning you won't, it won't feel like you're trying to make it work. You know, I'll be honest. I have some friendships that are friendships that I've had for a while, like since college or or high school that I don't do a good job keep that are long distance. I don't do a good job of keeping in touch with these people and they don't do a great job of keeping in touch with me. And, and when we try, it almost seems forced like, Oh, I got to call that person back. And going to be the same catch up again of like oh how are you what's new oh wow cool and we just like don't have that much in common anymore but you know if I see if I was to see them on the street or they were visiting or something and we hung out we would have a great time and we would reminisce about old things and we would catch up on new things and it would be it would be great and there's no hurt feelings there it's just I think there are some friendships that have a expiration date and sometimes that's okay and you shouldn't force them into another decade or another period in, in your life. And I've tried to do that with friendships before. Or they've tried to do that with me. And it just feels forced and doesn't really work. But there are friendships that, you know, you have that friend, Anna, you, well, both of you will remember this, in high school who was like your chemistry friend. And you didn't really hang out outside of chemistry class, but you were really glad you had them to, you know, check your homework off of or whatever or you know you had that friend who you hung out at with at play practice but you didn't really hang out with them outside of school or you know I would definitely have friends like that in college classes that I never hung out with them outside of a class but I would hang out with them in a class and I've had you know that my work friend or my you have your friend in these little periods and I I think that's okay so just knowing that that you might have a friend who's just in your life for a season of your life and and they don't need to become a long distance friend. But I think the friends that are truly great friends, I've, I have friendships that Maria, you know, my friend Simi, who's, who's really mm-hmm. my best friend. We've, since we've met, have never, we've never lived in the same place together ever. So I don't even know what that would be like. It would be magical. I, w- I would love it. <laughs> but also, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe if we did live in the same city, if she lived in New York or if I lived in Columbus, maybe our friendship wouldn't be as strong. Maybe we wouldn't see each other even that often. You know, I have I have friends here in New York now that I used to be long distance from before I moved here. And now we live here and I, I kind of hardly ever see them, you know, like I, I see them as much as I can. But it's not we all have different lives and, you know, we live all over the city and 
We try to see each other as much as we can, but we're still scheduling and trying to get things on calendars just as if they lived in California and we're visiting every once in a while. You know, it's, I think the dream, and when I moved here, I wanted this and I don't have it and I hope someday I do. The dream is friends. You know, the dream is the TV show friends. The dream is (laughs) someone living across the hall and, you know, everyone coming over to my apartment all the time and me being over there and us going out. And it's not like, you know, who are we hanging out with? It's what are we doing? You know, like that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And I think college is a really special time for that where a lot of people have friends like that where, and Anna, you can probably speak to this most recently of like everyone. And that was my experience. Like everyone I loved and hung out with friend wise was either in my house with me or around the corner, you know, and I could easily hang out with everyone I wanted to at any given time. You didn't really have to plan that much and it was so easy. And then you become an adult and you have friends peppered all over the country, even the world. And it's that talk about a jarring time. Like, Maria, I bet you, we could talk about this, too. Like, that was so jarring for me. Of Like, oh, I'm on this island all alone and I have to make friends as an adult now. And all my friends are peppered all over the world. Like, I want to scare you, Anna, but that's really rough. Like, that, that's hard. And now, I, you know, I've been out of college for a long time now too, like five years or so. And I've, but I'm, but I've also moved to new cities and it, you have to kind of do that again and again and again in your life. So I think having that core group of friends that are your core group of friends, no matter where, not, they don't even have to know each other, be a group of friends, but your core one or two people in your life, friends, cousins that you know you can pick up the phone and be like this just happened to me and I need to process it with someone and for me that person's Simi and it doesn't feel like work we don't have a you know we talk every week type schedule we'll have weeks where we talk we're texting all day and then I talk to her on the phone like three times or you know we'll have other weeks where like we haven't talked all week and it feels weird but we're kind of always texting at least a couple times a day and or a couple you know every day or so or every couple days and then you know, we'll have a big catch up phone call every once in a while, but it's not scheduled. It's not like, let's get this on the calendar. Sometimes we feel like we need to do that because we're busy, but usually we're just constantly trying each other. And if it works, I'll pick up and she'll pick up. And if not, I'll, I'll call her back. And it's kind of like an endless phone tag that's always happening until we get <laughs> each other. And then the, the thing that helps me a lot with that relationship in particular is planning visits. So before we end the one visit we'll have on our schedule the next time we're going to see each other. And, you know, Simi came to visit me in New York a couple weeks ago. Like, I'm going to come to Columbus in the early spring and hopefully we'll see each other in between there. But, like, at least we have that on the calendar. So it's just, it's not this imminent, like, I don't even know when I'm ever going to see you again. Like, (laughs) we have something scheduled. And I think that's, really helpful I do that in my long distance like romantic relationship as well because it's it can be it can seem really scary of I don't know when I'm even going to see my person again but if you have it on your calendar you're like okay that's a long time but it's there you know so that that's kind of if I had to give like two you know tips I would say just be relaxed about it. Check in. I think, honestly, social media is a good way to kind of feel like you're involved in their lives. So, you know, it, it's not real, but I think it kind of can give a touchstone of when you do get on the phone with them, be like, 
oh, I saw that you were doing this and I want to hear about it. Or when they start telling me about, you know, her weekend in Chicago, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw you looked great. Or, you know, how was that thing you went to? And it, it helps a bit. But I think at the end of the day, it's picking up the phone and it's not just texting and it's not just Instagram storying. It's actually talking on the telephone and some friends are good at doing that other friends it feels like a chore so I think it's just about kind of feeling it out and not being not putting too many parameters on it if that makes sense yeah I really like what you said about scheduling your next time to get together because I feel like the people that you are really close to sometimes you don't really feel the need to schedule something because you're like oh I'll see you again sometime but then that sometime gets really long because you get busy or you kind of push it to the back for a little while so I think scheduling it could be really helpful yeah just having it on your calendar like this is what I'm doing because if you don't it'll inevitably be like I wanted to visit you but I can't or I'm not gonna be able to make it or this other thing that's more alluring came up and if you have it on your calendar and there it's on their calendar and it's booked then you're going to make it happen and I think that's really important mm-hmm. and, and you so can look forward to it too. yeah totally yeah and this is very specific to me and but going back to New York someone told me once the best the only way to survive New York is always having a ticket to leave New York So Mm -hmm. I'm all about going all over the country to visit my friends and getting tickets to be able to do that because it's overwhelming to be here, especially in the winter. And so I think it's a good it's I'm happy that I have places that I can go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I really like what you said about the just being relaxed about it, because if it'll happen, it'll happen. But also I think forcing it, it just leads to like disappointment too, if it doesn't happen. Like if totally. you decide that you're going to talk every week and then it just ends up not happening and, and, and then it's just, yeah. it's just frustrating at that point. So when you have a long distance relationship with someone who you really love, if you can just make it happen, but not necessarily on a, a restricted schedule I think that makes it better for sure even though that might sound like counterintuitive at first no that Mm -hmm. I I agree and I think it's it is also helpful to just kind of internet check in in between those phone calls so you know it's like sounds so funny but liking their photos and like commenting and starting a text message of hey I'm thinking about you I miss you I love you have a good day let's talk soon or you know just whatever like quick in the moment whenever you're I have this rule somebody told me this I think I'm on a podcast of whenever I think of the person I send the text message you know instead of being like oh man I wonder how they're doing like and then because I used to do that and then I would be like yeah I should text them and I'd forget or maybe I would but like four days later I try I don't do this every time when I when someone pops into my mind I try to just like send the text right then because then I just won't do it at all and or I'll do it way later than I wanted to so that's that's helpful too and I think that makes you know that someone's not mad at you, you know, like, oh, I haven't talked to them forever. But it's like, well, it's okay. We haven't talked because they're liking my photos. They text me the other day. It doesn't mean we're not friends anymore. As someone who, me, is an overthinker and like a feeler and like, oh, is that anyone mad at me? Like, I'm kind of constantly like have a running list in my mind of like, 
who's mad at me? Am I okay? Did I like kiss anyone off? You know? So it's, it's nice to see someone who maybe I haven't talked to in a while liking my photo on Instagram as, as dumb as that sounds, but it's like, okay, they're still in my life. They're a person who loves me. It's okay. They're watching my Instagram story. They're engaged. Like they are in it. You know, they're not mad at me. Like, I don't know. I think that that goes a long way. So I'm constantly, whenever I'm on Instagram, I'm just double tapping because it's all my friends, you know? So I'm just constantly making people know that I, I, it's, it's showing, I saw this, I'm with you. I see you, I'm there. And I think it's actually important. Yeah, I agree. I also really like the just texting somebody or sending them a message when you think about them. Yeah. I've definitely done that too, where I like think about somebody and then I forget to call them and yeah. I think it's better to just do it in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you talk to them, you know, three months later and like, oh yeah, I really did think of you. And they're like, okay, sure. All right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you though? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like yeah. that you like your, your social media likes are so like intentional. I feel like whenever I'm on social media, it's to an extent, sometimes it gets to be that I'm liking things just because like it's habit, but I think it's really does mean a lot when you are just trying to like stay involved in someone's life. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what social media is at its right. Best, exactly. Right? Like, that's why it was ex- mm-hmm. invented. That's not how most people use it, unfortunately, as social networking. Like people don't use it as a way to show their friends what they're up to. And I think social media for me at its best is me wanting, using it kind of as a gratitude journal of my life of, wow, this is a really cool, interesting moment. And by me sharing it, it allows me to stay in this moment a little bit longer. It's like when, when something really good happens, what's the first thing you, you want to do after? Like for me, I usually want to, I have this like weird instinct to call my mom which is like yeah, kind, that too. <laughs> kind of strange because I'm not even like super close with my mom, but I, and I, a lot of the things I'm trying to tell her, like a really good thing that happened with my career, my podcast or something, she's not even going to give me the reaction I want, which is like, oh my God, that's amazing. Great. She's like, okay, uh, what's a podcast? Like, you know, she's not <laughs> even going to like really get it, but it's not really about her. It's about me telling her right. and it's about me yeah. go, saying it again in my mind of like, this is what happened. This person said this to me. And then, and then <laughs> would you believe it? I said this, can you believe And they're all like, cool. But it's more about me. Like it's my energy going into that. So I think that's what social media is, is it's me processing the way I use it, at least at my best is me processing the day I'm having and, and sharing it in real time of, you know, like today I had such a weird day. Uh, I can tell you about it, but I basically was like in bed like for the whole like first half of the day and I felt really bad about it but I was like kind of joking about it on Instagram all day and that made me feel better and like connected to the world in a way so I think it's it's just one of those things where you kind of have to figure out how you want to engage with it and I, I look at the way I engage with what you were saying Anna with the liking as how do I want when how do I feel when people engage with my content you know what I mean like when I see that someone I love liked my photo it makes me feel really good because I know that they saw it and are are there with me in a moment in a a way you know like they're a part of it in some strange way 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I love that. Yeah, I really like how you said that it's like a gratitude journal, but it's like a visual one because... I don't know, right now at this time in my life, like social media has just become like this distraction for me. But I feel like if I just looked at it in a different way, it would become this great way to like document my life and connect with other people. Yeah. Which is what it's meant to do. (laughs) Yeah. But like, it's a distraction for me too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like a, you know, perfect angel with this. Like a lot of times I go down a wormhole of like, why am I looking at this person? (laughs) I've watched five stories and what's happening. Like, you know, it's it's definitely not I engage with it in unhealthy ways for sure. But that's, you know, at its best, that's where I want it to right. go. Right. I think that's something that you can come back to, which is really nice. And I think like yeah. I've gotten away from that. So it's a nice reminder for me, for sure. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine being your age with social media and having grown up with it. I think about that all the time. I I don't know. I mean, in, in college, I had Facebook. In high school, I had Facebook. But Instagram started at just the end, very, very end of college for me. Okay. So I, I don't even know how I would have done anything. I remember at finals, I would make my boyfriend change my Facebook password every year <laughs> so I couldn't get on it a good during, idea. during finals. And I don't know how, how I would have functioned. To be honest, like I was on Tumblr 100% of my college classes, (laughs) you know, and it was fine because I started a blog and like now I'm it was probably better for me than listening. But (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how how I would have functioned and just the the like sceniness that it is. And it's like it feels like high school sometimes now for me, it feels like very clicky and and gross and you know, now with like influencers and marketing and I don't know. I don't know how I, I, I sometimes really love it because it allows me to meet so many cool people and and engage with people that I love. But at the same time, it's like you said, a distraction. And it's at, at the end, I was just talking about this again with the friend I was with last night of, you know, we just didn't know a lot of what people were doing before. Like you didn't the comparison that happens with social media is so damaging, I think, because years ago, you just didn't know what everyone else was having for breakfast. So you didn't have to compare <laughs> yours to theirs, you know, right? Or yeah, you, you, so true. you just you only could compare yourself to the few people in your immediate circle. And sure, you could be jealous. And sure, you could feel like someone's body was was better. Or you liked their outfit or you liked what they were eating or Sure, there was some of that, but it was like contained. Or now, you know what everybody's eating and doing and wearing and exercising and looking like and who they're dating. Like, you see everything and you feel like you have this image that you want to put out and curate. And that, we don't know the effects that this is going to have on our minds long term. And that's scary to me. And not so much for me as it is for like you Anna and your generation of like people who have grown up with it and you're gonna have Instagram the entirety of your college and I don't know I mean I'm curious to know from you like what do you see with how people engage with it and in positive and negative ways yeah um that's a really good question because I think I think there is like such a big variety in how people use it um especially like amongst my friend friends um 
Like some of us will post very often. Um, some of us won't post very much, but then it's a good way to like stay in touch with each other. Um, for me, it's been uh, recently it has been this thing where it's just like I don't want to do my homework, so like I'm gonna go on BuzzFeed or whatever. Um, but yeah, the idea of growing up with it and having that be different, um, it's a whole new hurdle for getting your stuff done for sure. Um, and part of me wonders if like there's gonna be this point in a few years from now where like the people who did grow up with social media media are going to like have this moment of like disillusionment like oh my goodness i yeah. can't believe i spent so much time doing that and i could have been doing all these other things or whatever or if it's going to be like wow i can look back at all of this and i'm really glad i did this and i think it really is individualized in how you used your social media platforms um but i don't know if i can really speak to what's going to happen with it because it is even though like my generation has kind of grown up with it it is still like very new and so and it's always changing so mm -hmm. i'm 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 just as curious as you are to see what it's going to be like and how it's going to affect people long term i mean it's so hard to think about it because yeah there's all kinds of directions that i think that could go yeah it's interesting what you say about you know your life is not i i social media is my scrapbook you know right. facebook was my scrapbook you know my my i don't have my photos from my study abroad trip in college to spain anywhere other than like on my in facebook mm -hmm, albums you know mm -hmm. like they're mm -hmm. not that's where i keep them you know and and it's it's an interesting thing like especially with stories now too like i'm also kind of i am documenting my day but it goes away at the end of the day so i'm not really posting things that are going to come up on my time hop in a year and 10 years. <laughs> I'm just kind of posting and then it's going away for the majority mm -hmm. of yeah. things. But also a lot of people are seeing it and then it's going away. So, so what's the purpose? Right. You know, it's like, I'm not taking a photo to document it for myself in my elder years. I'm taking a photo to like show my friends today. Um, so I don't know. And, and at the same time, like, I don't think I want to, and, 20 years see my my coffee i had on you know sunday december 8th <laughs> like i good point <laughs> it's it's boring yeah but also i felt the need to share that with the thousands of people that you know chose to click a button on my page like I, it's just i don't know it, it, it's it's an interesting thing that i i think about a lot and i spend a lot of time engaging with and some of those experiences are positive some are not so positive and i don't i i don't know it's a big question mark right yeah for sure yeah and i'm curious about people younger than anna too oh yeah you know, i have elementary school students who are growing up with their own smartphones right because like i anna didn't sort have of that grew up with social media yeah right. like in elementary school i mean there were a few kids who had smartphones in elementary school like towards the end of elementary school and that was like really weird and we were like, oh, my goodness, you have a cell phone. Why should why <laughs> right. do you have a cell phone? And people started to get it in middle school. But it really became a thing in high school. And I don't know, elementary school for me was just a time to, like, engage with other people and, like, not scream. As it I should don't know. be. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. right. I just can't imagine growing up like that. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm I have no idea how that would affect people and what it's going to do in the future and yeah that's that seems really scary to me mm -hmm. i'm like kind of grateful that i got to wait a little bit <laughs> at least yeah yeah 
I always yeah. tell my students, like, I didn't get a smartphone or a cell phone at all until I was, like, 18 mm-hmm. years old, until I went to college. And they're like, what? Because, you know, they're, like, eight years old, and they have their own phone. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. It's very weird. That's crazy. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Like, we had to memorize people's numbers and call right. phones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then the weird thing about that is I, like, have all these mum- numbers burned into my memory from, like, my best friend in third grade. Right. Don't even talk to, but right. I don't know like my boyfriend or my best friend's phone I number. Know. Memory, it's so funny. It's yeah. so weird. Like I have no idea what my boyfriend's phone number is, and I probably never will. But I can <laughs> right. tell you, which is like kind of scary. Yeah, I can tell you Very my best weird. friend from fourth grade's phone number like that. Who right. I don't talk to, and I have no idea it's like so where strange. she is or what she's doing. Yeah, that is bizarre. <laughs> Well, yeah. I guess her parents' number, that probably is off the hook now. <laughs> right. right. I, it's mostly parents' numbers that I know. So funny. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So one of our wrap-up questions is, do you have any recommendations for anything that you've been loving recently? Ooh. And I'm particularly interested in your answer because I feel like I've discovered a lot of really great stuff mm. and people through you. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I do. Uh, what category or do you want me any to category kind of... anything that's popping yeah. into your head right now okay okay well if you haven't seen ladybird uh, i want to so see that too it is the greatest film like it is i oh my i could cry talking about it you guys i love greta gerwig like her did you see Frances ha her one of her earlier movies no, i haven't she... i've heard of some of her stuff and i don't know if i've seen any of hers but i've been meaning to to watch her stuff yeah yeah so she wrote and starred in Frances Ha that came out a, a bunch of years ago, and it's one of my favorite movies. And then this is her first directorial debut. So okay. she wrote this movie and directs it, but she's not in it. And it is just so fantastic. Everyone in it is so good. It's, I loved it so much. So that's, that's a movie. And TV show, I, I could recommend one of those two. We already talked about Master of None. I really liked this show High Maintenance on HBO. That's um, pretty good and interesting. Mm-hmm. What um, is that about? It's about, I, that was okay. It's about like a weed dealer in New York, but it really <laughs> just kind of like tells these different stories of people in New York. And I like it. I, I think it's pretty interesting. The first episode is kind of, heavy and dark they're all there's like darkness to all of them but it's it's a really good that show sounds interesting cool. um yeah it is um and what else um my i the friend i was hanging out with last night has this cool company it's called freaky healthy chocolate <laughs> and she gave me some of her chocolate which i'm like excited to go eat after this so <laughs> it's like sweetened with mulberries and has superfoods in it oh, cool. and it's just like that sounds so good super good and yeah so <laughs> That's that's that. And oh, I'll say one more thing. Um, this is kind of like a miscellaneous thing. So my I haven't taken my shoes off because I just like ran in to, to get here. So I'm looking down <laughs> at them. But we talked about socks. So I got the have you guys heard of like Dansko shoes? Yes, like, I've been what? meaning yeah. to get some. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh my I've God, literally just been so... thinking about that. It's on my Christmas list. So I don't have like the like regular Dansko's. Mm-hmm. I have like the boot okay. version with like the zipper on the side. Which I think is, like, a little bit cuter. Like, I don't think any of them are, like, that cute, to be honest. They're, like, that's not their purpose. No, I I agree. Yeah. (laughs) They're really comfortable and cozy. (laughs) And 
let me tell you guys, like I walk so much being here and these shoes and the boots especially, I highly recommend. They keep my feet dry. They keep them like relatively warm with the sock situation that we already addressed. But I'm at best purchase that I've made recently. They're pricey, but I think I'll have them forever. And I really am happy with it. I have the black, if you're wondering. <laughs> oh, nice. and um, I'm a, if this is helpful to people, I'm like usually between a seven and a half and an eight and i went up a size okay. so like i'm in, i have the 38 so i would always recommend Anna if you want to buy them or you want to tell santa like definitely go up a size because i heard you're supposed to have them fit a little bit big like that's how they're supposed to be all right then like, the, mine definitely felt big so that's good to know i've yeah. been looking at some clogs online and yeah i was like what size am i because i'm a 38 yeah. usually mm-hmm. too yeah okay good to know you might want to go to the store and try them on to be honest that's what i mm-hmm. did if you if you because they have them at, at stores it might be worth like a checking, trip but... yeah okay that's good yeah. to know yeah mm-hmm. i really need new snow boots because mine have holes in the bottom oh which is not useful at all because they make my feet wet <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> not good I... we got to get you new boots <laughs> i know i've tried dance goes before and i have super high arches so my feet won't go in them oh but they look really comfy. <laughs> Bummer. I know. Yeah, Maria just has maybe you problematic can give that a Google. other comfy snow boots. Yeah, maybe you can give that a Google. Like, I have high arches and I can't wear dance go. What yeah, do you recommend? Yeah. And I bet Google yeah. will have, like, there's. I'm sure there's a Reddit on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can find something. I just have to actually go out and shop, which I don't yeah. particularly like doing. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Especially this time of year. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. So our philosophy kind of at Never Wear Boring Socks is that the reason we wear not boring socks is to try to add some joy, add something fun and interesting to our day intentionally, something Mm -hmm. that could be boring, like wearing socks, something that you just have to do every day, especially if you live in New York or Massachusetts or Minnesota. Um, So we try to make it more fun by wearing exciting socks is that a philosophy that resonates with you that you apply in any area of your life oh my gosh first of all i wore boring socks dang it i actually (laughs) have have to be socks i know i know i know and i have i have a thing i'm gonna say for this i i but i'm just i'm like bummed because i actually have these cool orange socks that's the one Mm. cool pair of socks that they're like bright orange i'm gonna send you a picture next time i wear them yeah but i love that philosophy so much and what i'm doing for that uh, last Christmas time, I dyed my hair pink, and I'd never done anything like that before. But and I, I can't really like cut my hair in weird ways because it grows really slow and it's curly and just whatever. I don't really cut it; it's just kind of long. And so doing that felt like a big change, and it, it did. It I was excited to do it, but it made life so much more interesting in the same sort of way where it forced me to have conversations with people I might not have been having conversations with because they were commenting on my sock or my socks, my hair (laughs) all the time. Like I was going into 7-Eleven not thinking I was going to have a conversation with the person checking me out, but then they'd be like, oh, your hair, it's, you know, it's, it's a conversation starter. And it like forced me to be more connected with humanity. And also I did it at Christmas time specifically. And so I was home with my family and I was around like, my grandpa was like, oh, your hair looks terrible. What'd you do? You know, and it's like <laughs> these sorts of conversations I think can be really useful and interesting. And so 
this year on the 21st, I'm dyeing my hair lavender. And I think it's going to be something I'm going to do every Christmas time is I'm going to just dye it. It only lasts, you know, like a couple, like a month maybe. And it doesn't damage my hair or anything. And I just think it's fun. It's like, why not? I, I can, I might as well. It's a good conversation starter. And I, I kind of, it, it's just like not wearing boring socks. It's like doing something interesting that's, you know, just for me, but also is a reminder of we have so few sensory pleasures in life that we should open our eyes and enjoy them and like be here, you know, on, on the planet and, and interacting with each other. So that's, that's kind of my version of non-boring socks. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's awesome. On the other end of your body. Thanks. Thanks. I'll send you guys a picture with my lavender hair. Please do. Yeah, definitely. Your lavender hair and your orange socks. Yeah. That would go yeah. well together. Yes. No okay, I will do it. <laughs> okay. I will do it. Fabulous. <laughs> to give our listeners a call to action something that they can do after this podcast so i thought it might be fun since on your podcast you always ask people to send you an emoji yeah so i thought in honor of your podcast we could ask our listeners to send an emoji to us and to you okay um maybe the sock emoji yeah is there one podcast there is a sock emoji i couldn't find it the first time i looked but there is one that's exciting i didn't know that either so do you guys want to know my favorite emoji? Yeah. I really use the lightning bolt a lot. I don't know. I just, like, think it's cool and cute. And, like, every every text I send, I kind of just, like, put a lightning bolt in. I do that That's a fun. lot. Yeah, and the one that comes up if you write the word pow, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, like, orange. It kind of looks like a, like, onomatopoeia sound. Like, mm. it's, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I think, think I know so, what you're yeah. talking about. It, it looks like this, like you guys can see it, yeah. but they can't. Like but... a comic book explosion. Yeah, of. yeah, 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 yeah. I like that one a lot. I use those two probably more than any other emojis for some reason. So maybe like those nice. and the sock or something. Yeah, yeah, an exploding lightning sock. There you go. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> and so where can people get in touch with you on the internet if they want to? Find all the um, cool things that you're doing. You know, I'm just a Google away. Katie Dalebow is ever you can find everything. I'm at Katie Dalebow on Instagram. <laughs> so exhausting. <laughs> no. um, t- Twitter, Facebook, everything. I'm Katie Dalebow, and yeah, and my podcast is called Let It Out. If if you like this, you'll you'll probably like that. It's just talk a lot of me talking for a lot of hours <laughs> i would definitely recommend it <laughs> oh, thank you so much thank cool. you so much yeah, for doing the podcast for katie Aww, thank you so this much is so exciting thank you you guys are awesome and I'm, I'm so grateful to have been able to be on the podcast and i'm so excited that we're friends and now i get to I'm be friends so with glad. you too anna yeah new friends yeah. are wonderful exactly cool well, have a great rest of your night, guys. And thank you. I'll talk to you, you guys too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. sounds good. All right, bye. Bye, bye Katie. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Katie as much as we did. Thank you so much for listening to Never Wear Boring Socks this week. Next week, we are going to talk about habits, so please join us for that. 
Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you are enjoying the podcast. And please leave a review on iTunes. It's a really good way for people to discover the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at mariacatherine.com slash podcast slash zero two zero. And Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. We'll have links there to everything we talked about in the episode, plus we'll link to the page on Katie's website where you can see some illustrations I did for her. We would really love to hear from our listeners, so please get in touch with us through our email, um, which is neverwearboringsocks at gmail.com, or through our social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at neverwearboringsocks and on Twitter at noboringsocks. And you can get in touch with Katie, too, at Katie Dalebout, and send us the emojis... Um, such as the sock and the explosion to let us know that you're listening. Many thanks to Ben Ramsey, the cheese beast, for being our audio editor. Thank you to him and Martha Barnard for helping us compose and record the music. And thank you so much to Katie for joining us for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in this week. And until next time, remember to never wear boring socks.